someone here and they can call me. Okay? Alright. Safe travels. Oh. Yeah, you're right. I'm gonna take a minute. God, that was horrible. Have you still got that paper open? Of the four non-survivors, none ever returned to their community due to fear of persecution. One of the patients knew of another survivor who... Oh, sec. Who offered themselves as a sacrifice to the community to protect their family. That's... The paper goes on to list a bunch of genes that the survivors had in common, but no healthy troglodyte were willing to contribute to the research, so... When was this published? Uh, that's not that long ago. Hey Sec, isn't that meant to be a Dr. Solari working at the clinic? Dr. Dakarai? Dakarai? Solari. Oh yeah, it says he works at the Vesta clinic. Can I have his comms ID? He might be able to help out with this case. I hate writing professional comms messages. I am the new I was just reading your paper on Matahani Thainaitu. Appreciate your clinical input if you have anything to add to uh, care. Best wishes, Faye. I remember first learning about the troglodyte. There was a, a kid in my class. We were only little. I think about 10 Earth years or something. Yeah, there was this kid who cried when they showed us the pictures. They are, um, kind of scary looking. And when you're a child, everything that's not from Earth has this kind of mythic terror to it. Even the pretty ones. But then they told us about the Matahane Thanaitu, and... I don't know. I think it was the first time I'd ever really thought about the fact that the same love that humans experience... Not that I'd, you know, I was 10. But, you know, I'd been brought up thinking that it was unique to humans, and it's actually one of the most unifying qualities of sentience. It's... Um... Huh? Yes, I know, I've been checking my comms a lot. Sorry. I'll put it away. Uh... No, I I don't want to. Actually, um, Sack, I, I think we should do the letter. Date 5701-2732. Patient. Due to. Troglodan. 
patient ID 00946713. This pleasant troglodon attended clinic today with their off offspring, the two-hour. Sec, can you put in brackets, for the sake of nomenclature, this is Duwutu's first offspring's third offspring, a grandchild. The two-hour is deeply concerned for their grandparents' safety and well-being following the recent passing of their life partner, Duwatu. From the minute the door was opened, I knew that there was something badly wrong. There have been more than a few times in my career where I felt my stomach try and leave my body through the nearest exit, and this was one of them. That sound, like a rolling wave of pure grief. Stars. It seems that it's not uncommon for Martian travellers to find their way out to the belt, particularly if they're travelling through to the dustier climbs of Jupiter and beyond. But Troglodon are a relatively static species. They have their caves and their Matahane Thainaitu, and that seems to be more than enough for the vast majority of them. Seeing the pair of them all the way out here made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. That, and the way the light caught on the razor-sharp edge of their beaks. Matahani Thainaitu unites a willing couple in a way that the cheesy romance dreams could only dream of. From the time of the bond, the pair are neurochemically linked, able to detect and regulate each other's emotional states, and gifted with a slowed rate of cellular degeneration. It's like the love they share literally sustains them on a molecular level. This, of course, comes at a price. If a bonded troglodon were to die, its partner wouldn't be able to live without them and would succumb within days of their passing. Even being separated from their partner for too long can cause severe psychological distress. And so when Duutu presented to clinic without their Duatu, I thought it was biologically impossible. So did their family. The two-hour willingly acted as a translator between Duutu and myself and explained that their other grandparent had passed away roughly 15 souls ago. The entire community was deeply disturbed by Duutu's lack of passing. The two-hour had taken the single available chair opposite mine and I looked down at the wrinkled six-legged form curled around the base of the chair the way one might curl around the dying embers of a campfire for that last shudder of warmth. Against the backdrop of the haunting echo from Duutu's skull throat, a thought flashed obtrusively to the forefront of my mind. That my patient was wrapping themselves around the chair as though it were the deceased, and they weren't willing to let them go. The two-hour offered an explanation for this without prompting, by assuring me that Duutu had been performing all of the pair bond departure rituals, biologically compelled to seize onto their partner until their own passing, and refusing sustenance in the surety that they too were already dying. Dutu's claws made sharp clacking sounds as they hit the plastic pillar keeping the chair in place. And, um, I didn't ask how they managed to pull them away from each other. I was finding it difficult to concentrate under two hours account of the last 13 souls. Troglodon spend so much of their life with a partner whose emotions and intentions they share that the need for structured verbal communication becomes obsolete with their own kind. And instead, they pass air through the fleshy pits in their skull, unimaginatively named the skull throat by some lazy human along the way, to um, create musical, complex and 
often beautiful vocalisations. It's said that Troglodon with the pair bond can harmonise so perfectly with each other that they sound like a single voice. The ethereal notes floating up from the floor did sound like they were reaching for a response. It felt like they were trying to pull one from a hollow place inside my chest. In fact, I think it even mentioned it in Dr. Solari's... Was it Dr. Solari? Yeah, it's mentioned in their paper. There's a theory that Troglodon evolved to die when their partner did because the echoes of their grief were too painful for the rest of the community to cope with. Some theories feel like goosebumps. Still, this is what I understood. Prior to Duatu's death, the pair had enjoyed a long and happy relationship. They had each been each other's first attempted pair bond, um, and so it was unlikely that this abnormality has been caused by some secret biological allegiance to a different troglodon. Duatu and their partner were meticulous and thoughtful keepers of the community's excess food stores, and Duatu's passing caused a ripple of sadness through the other Troglodon residents. A ripple which returned as a rolling wave of suspicion and fear when Duatu didn't also, um, pass on. They keep the food, Dutuara explained to me. If they are sick, the community fear that it will spread to them in the meat. They are scared. Now, Zek. You know that I'm a terrible physicist, but I know that there are several constants in the universe. One of the most reliable ones I've noticed is that scared beings do not make good neighbours. The Tuawa told me that this terror and suspicion grew its own set of sharp bronze claws very quickly, and Duwutu's offspring were running out of answers to the increasingly agitated questions they were receiving. They didn't say it, not in Martian, anyway. But there was a discordant note of betrayal in the aching melody from Duutu's skull. And I really believe that their offspring were considering the benefits of... Yeah. Euthanasia. Ugh, it's difficult. With the two hours sitting there asking me over and over, how could this have happened and is he sick? Will we all get sick? It was easy to forget that they had risked a lot by sneaking Duutu out of the cave system and into the city. They had almost definitely saved their elder's life. Even if they didn't want... Even if the notion of Duutu's continued existence felt viscerally wrong to them. I wonder if the Troglodon ever forget the less consuming kinds of love in the face of Matahani Thainaitu. Duutu and their off-offspring had been incredibly lucky by Dutuawa's account. When they reached the city, there was a shuttle waiting to depart to Jupiter with enough space for them in cryo. We hoped they weren't going to survive the journey, Dutuawa said. The elderly troglodon on the floor shivered. So I had what I thought was a unique biological event in this very clinic room, and I had no idea what to do to help them. In the face of uncertainty, I did what every doctor in the history of time has done. Uh, yeah, I did a blood test, and I put them in the scanner, and I hoped. If you could... Oh, thanks. You're getting good at this.
Oh. Oh, it's Dr. Solari. Um. Oh. Are they Martian? It says OMS with four exclamation marks. And then I've literally just docked. They give me a few spins to get used to clinic gravity. And let's chat over food. IPDC. I'll be with you in a click. Sec, what's IPDC? If Phobos doesn't crash. <laughs> Very Martian. Cool, well, that's good. They seem nice. Oh, yes. You know him. Well, can't you tell me anything about him? You're being very cryptic. Fine. Where was I? Thanks. Durutu's bloods were tested for the standard baseline biomarkers, and the only abnormality was a mildly raised diuric crystal level, suggestive of dehydration. I made sure they had something to drink before leaving the clinic room. I also checked a hormone panel, which revealed a markedly raised stress hormone level, which, again, isn't shocking given what they've been through. Which is more likely secondary to the trauma of their partner's passing and the following experiences than a cause of their strange predicament. Better? Oh, could you also add in that their total protein was low? Bless them, they really haven't been able to look after themselves in the last few weeks. The two hours anxiety became more obvious as I examined their elder and got them in position for the scan. I could feel the hum from their skull throat as a deep rumble in my molars. There was nothing of note on examination except that Durutu appeared slightly more underweight than one might expect for a troglodon of their age and community position. I have attached the scan report. To my eyes, there are no obvious abnormalities on the scan. However, I will be sure to pass the scan results onwards for a senior radiology review the next time we get in range of one of those planetside hospitals, just in case there are any subtle changes that I haven't seen. You know, it is possible to die of a broken heart, sec. In humans, anyway. Yeah, it's rare, but the stress of bereavement can cause a cardiomyopathy. Literally a broken heart. Is kind of cool, right? Dutuawa didn't really seem to think so when I mentioned offhand that it was something I was checking for with the scan. I rarely get scared during consultations, but there was something about the flex of her claws and the shrillness of the music from her skull throat that made my pulse jump. This is not a broken heart. It was almost a snarl, the way she said it. The metallic grinding sound from her skull was undercut by a low and soothing thrum from her elder. They had the grey still embarrassed at their off-offspring's outburst. At least, I think that's what it means when a troglodon covers their beak with their third paw. I, um, got the impression that my patient understood quite a lot more than their off-offspring expected them to. I gently suggested that Dutuawa took a break while the scan was running, and Nurse Calixi was more than happy to help her get some water while she cooled off in the waiting room. Once the door had slid closed, and the scan had finished, I gestured for Duwutu to take the seat they'd previously been curled underneath. Perhaps feeling unable to deny my request, they took it, but curled in around themselves instead, four of their six legs resting snug between the prominent ridges of their ribs. The difficulty, I think, when a human tries to communicate with a troglodon, or, or anyone, really, whose communication is mainly nonverbal, is that 
it's so easy to project your own biases onto what is essentially a stream of language that is far too nebulous and complex for a non-native speaker to ever fully understand. I thought there was a chime of curiosity in the notes of my patient's song, but that could have just been my own hope that they were willing to engage with me. It could have easily been fear or dread. I opened my mouth, closed it again, swallowed. How are you? I asked. It... I felt so stupid. When Dutu answered, it was with little more than a whisper. This, they said. And then the noises, the sound they were making, complained, probably too often, about the size of this room, but it has never felt more empty. I reached out to them and laid a hand on top of one of their gravelly limbs. I think anything to make the sound come back. And they touched the tip of their beak very gently to the back of my hand. Do you want to die? I asked them. The haunting call from their skull throat came back in a rush. They couldn't meet my eyes for a long time. No, they said, finally. But I live for Duatu. For family. Troglodon have eyes as dark as a view from the clinic windows. I saw my reflection in Duatu's as they finally looked at me. They asked me if I'm alone. I didn't know what to say. I told them the truth, that my partner lives on Earth, but we hope to be together again soon. No, she is coming here. This isn't relevant, Sec. Then, if I'm even understanding them correctly, they remarked that it must be even worse to know that the person you love isn't gone, but is too far away to be with. And I <laughs> probably let that one keep me up tonight. But I firmly told them that we shouldn't talk about me. And I'm saying the same thing to you, Sec. Then came the question Tuawa had been plaguing me with. Why am I wrong? I admitted that I didn't know why things had happened the way they had. But that it didn't mean there wasn't any explanation to be found. Tatuawa rejoined us as you were searching the literature sec, and there was a sickening moment where we all hopefully stared at the swirling pattern of the searching symbol, watching the number of files searched tick steadily upwards without returning anything. There were four papers. Three were case reports of single cases, and one was Dr. Solari's case series. We read that one first. Flawed. My patients slipped out of the chair, their skin scraping against the plastic as they crept closer to the desk, as though they wanted to peck the words right off the screen and devour them. Their off-offspring sank back against the examination bench they'd been leaning against. The dissonance between the calls from their skulls was dizzying. The two hours was the final thrum of a completed journey, someone contemplating the long road home. The Utus, Well... 
Like I said, it's impossible to say. I like to think it was, yes. Finding no signs of acute illness on my patient, um, not that I'd have really known what to do with them if I did. There remained the problem of what to do for them. It was clear that they couldn't return back to their community, even armed with the knowledge that their condition is not as aberrant as first thought. I have a duty of care for Duutu, and I'm fairly sure that extends to preventing them from skittering back into a death trap. The papers we found, though useful, didn't provide any indication of what happened to the troglodon going forwards, potentially in an attempt to protect them. In light of this, SEC forwarded an anonymised request for emergency accommodation on Vesta, both for Duutu and Dutuawa, and they've agreed to stay with us until a more permanent solution can be found. This provides the added benefit of the staff at the clinic being able to keep a close eye on Duutu's health while they're close by. I am to stay here, they repeated, slow and incredulous when I explained this to them. I really think it's for the best. We will make sure that you're looked after, I promised. The pair of troglodons shared a look I couldn't decipher. Not necessarily forever, I added. Durutu glanced back at the moving image of the emaciated but very much alive troglodon on the screen, before looking at me and saying something that I'm not sure has ever been said in the history of the clinic. It's very quiet out here. My apologies to Dr. Adra, who seems not to understand that a day and night shift are two different things. My patient might not be cursed themselves, but I fear they might have just cursed the caseload of the clinic tonight. <laughs> I rolled the words over on my tongue a few times before speaking, tasting them to see if they'd come out too bitter. Some people find the quiet to be peaceful. The music from Duutu's head certainly seemed more serene than it did on their arrival. The hairs on my arms seemed to think so anyway. Duutu said something in their language which I failed to catch. Dutuawa slipped forwards and gripped them tightly from behind. They would have loved it. She promised. I will follow up with this patient in due course, and they're aware that they can return to speak to me or any of the other staff members at the clinic at any time. They obviously have no means of paying for their stay or for any amenities they're likely to require, but given their circumstances, I have no doubt that the clinic will offer to cover these costs. I will endeavour to discuss the case with Dr. Solari, author of the most recent case study on this phenomenon, to see if uh, he has anything to add to Duutu's care. Have I missed anything, Zach? Hi. Sorry, I hope I'm not interrupting. It's just I've literally just got back from leave and cryo always leaves me both restless and feeling like I could eat half a greenhouse. Oh, hello, Dr. Sec. Long time no speak. Dr. Sec. Hmm? Oh, no. He just loves the title. I'm so sorry. Do I? Have we met? No. <laughs> my apologies. I guess you haven't seen my message? I'm Dr. Solari, the one you asked for, but please, just call me Dakarai. Rai, if you want to be friends. Everyone does. Well, except the sentient goo in the lab, but we can't be friends if you also want to call me... That. Wow. Um, I 
probably won't call you that. I'm Faye. Sorry, it's nice to meet you. Yes! They all told me someone was taking over from the prof. Congratulations, it's about time we got another doctor out here. Uh, Well, I'm trying. Did you want to talk about my patient now, or...? Oh, stars, no. Can we get some food? I'm literally about to go down like a... Sorry, I should answer this. Hi, beautiful. No, I literally just got back. Oh, right, well, thanks for telling me. I did! How are you? Yeah, good, Dr. Oh, no, actually. I'm going to dinner with Dr. Underwood. Oh. Okay. Don't be jealous. Come join us. We have a very interesting chocolate dance to talk about. And I know you can't wait to hear my reviews of Pacifae, so... No, you can revise later. Phobos will crash before you fail that exam. Yeah, yeah, great. We'll see you on Indigo Deck then. Sorry about that. Dr. Adra's coming. Uh, probably not. Apparently she can wait to hear about my holiday. Why do you look so relieved? What's she done? No, uh, no, no. She's not done anything. I mean, I'm not relieved. I... I think I made a bad first impression, somehow. What?! No! Zayla's the ray of starlight! I'll bleep her, you'll see. I, I just assumed Indigo Deck was okay? Yeah, uh, yeah. Where else is there? I thought the bleeps were for a Dr. Adra to Indigo Deck, code one. Dr. Adra to Indigo Deck, code one. They are, but it's the only way to get her attention sometimes. Right. Um, won't she be... pissed? She could never be mad at me. You done here? It actually feels like my stomach is trying to eat itself. Do you have something to tell me? Excuse me? Oh, no, it was just a joke. You know, Jupiter's moons are rife with viral gastritis, but you should have been scanned on your way in, and so it would be a secret if you had it and had got past the scans. Dr. Faye, how long has it been since you spoke to a person who wasn't a patient? (laughs) Too long. Let's go eat. (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow, Sec. Whoa, Sec! Oh, no, it's okay. I do this all the time. Signed, Dr. Faye Underwood, The Vesta Clinic. This episode of The Vesta Clinic was created by AMC. It starred AMC as Faye Underwood, came in Cootie Green as Dakarai Solari, and Sec as himself. Music by AMC and Ruby Campbell. Please check out our show notes for content warnings, transcripts, and your prescription of the exact right amount of physical contact. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help the show reach more ears, please tell someone who loves podcasts to check into the Vesta Clinic. You can also follow us on your social media of choice at at Vesta Clinic Pod. We'd love to see you there.